Welcome into another episode of We're Talking. Today, we're talking Raging Cajun basketball with Mike Gaber. How are you this afternoon, Mike? I'm doing well. Had a good holiday, other than the disappointment of the two Cajun losses. But everything else was great. Had the whole family in. Good deal. Uh, I, well, big news in my family. I, uh, my unofficial uh, future son-in-law became my official future son-in-law with a ring over the Christmas holidays. So that was exciting. That, that is always an exciting time. And it's uh, good to have family together, especially when y'all all live apart like that. So, uh, yeah, fun times. I remember when we uh, traveled, when my dad was in the Army, coming home for Christmas was always a highlight of the year. So, yeah. And my uh, son and his family lived nearby. They, he was happy to see his sisters and uh, future brother-in-law. Ah, good deal. Like I said, the only disappointing thing over the whole last couple of weeks was the way the Cajuns um, played in the recent road trip. Uh, especially at crunch time, but we can delve into that and see um, yeah. why did the uh, results turn out the way they did. Yeah, let's go ahead and jump right in. Let's go back to the Coastal Carolina game on the Thursday before uh, the the new year, the la- the second to last game of the of last year. So, uh, your thoughts there? Okay. Well, first of all, at halftime, I thought the Cajuns were lucky to be down only three, considering the way they had played. They were two for 10 from three point land in the first half. And Costa made five. So with that being said, I, I thought that was okay. We're within the game within three points. We didn't shoot the ball. Well, did you feel the same? Yeah. I, I, I never felt like that game was out of reach for the Cajuns. And I, I thought that we had, we had, we had done some good things, but, but you're right. I, I don't think we're shooting the ball. Well, yeah, well, Defensively, the coastal threes, they made five, I said, several of those were wide open, nobody within 10 or so feet of them. And that was very disappointing considering, and I made it before, so there are supposed emphasis on limit the other team's three-point shooting. Now, I do wonder, uh, considering their shooting percentage coming in the game was only 30%, the game plan had been to let's, okay, we're going to take certain guys away and we'll take let these guys beat us. That's fine if you're a philosophy, but you got to have some kind of pressure. You can't have the guys who bleed wide that open. If you leave them that wide open, a poor college player is going to make 40% of them. And uh, you know, so that was disappointing. Um, so we would have to ask the coaches. My speculation is here is, okay, did you really plan to leave some of these guys open who weren't really the ones that were maybe making shots in their other game? So I thought that might have been a factor. I don't know if you feel the same, but, you know, um, it's one thing to, okay, you're cold, but our supposed defensive philosophy emphasis is to stop the other team's three-point shooting, and you can't give up five and a half. Exactly. I think at, at some point, if you're if that is your philosophy, you got to change it in, in game. You got to make some adjustments. So. Yeah. Then there's one thing I've also noticed that happens early in a lot of our games, and our guys catch the ball out of bounds or step out of bounds more than any other team I've seen, especially in the first five minutes of the game. It seems to happen frequently. And I do wonder if the opposing coaches who scout us actually tell the officials, look for that. You know, they're going to stand in the corner and they're going to have um, a foot on the out-of-bounds line. So that made me wonder about that. Uh, that was, we didn't have a lot of turnovers, but a couple of them early in the game uh, do cause me to wonder about things like that. You know, and it happened in a couple of the home games too. We just got to be more aware. Yep. Absolutely. I, 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 and I find it's not just uh, it's not just when we're on the on the sides. Also, it seems to be 
sometimes when we're around the basket on the baseline as well. So yeah, we we drive the ball and maybe not be aware of where we are. So that's an improvement need. Uh, if, I, if I ever get a chance to go back to one of the rebounding club meetings, I haven't gone to the last one because I've had some conflicts. I may ask the coaches that. Yeah, but but, but you know, okay, we're behind there, uh, double figures. We're shooting the ball poorly. They're making shots. And another one of the other reasons we, when you shoot so poorly from the three-point line, sometimes you get the long rebounds. This really happened in Texas game two weeks ago. And you're out of sync, or maybe your floor spacing defensively is poor, allowing others, uh, your opponent to get a good shot off on the other end. So, you know, that'll need to improve going forward. And maybe we need to be more selective and not shoot as many threes and shoot as a few more um, mid-range, the middies as I like to call them, which I don't think we do enough of. And that probably won't change with this coaching staff because they're really into the analytics. They like the three or the layup. But anyway, that's just this disagreement I have with them. But all that being said, we did get back into the game with our rebounding and our uh, Jordan scoring a few baskets against Coastal Carolina game. We did have nine first half assists after we uh, maybe didn't take so many of threes and started getting the ball inside. Jordan did a good job. We're back in the game. And I said, okay, we're only uh, down three. We're good. Uh, it, you feel that way that uh, maybe the last five minutes of the first half were uh, decent play? Yeah, I, I thought I, I thought that they continue to make their push. Their problem is they, they can't continue to let teams get big leads on them. And that's been the theme of this year, in my opinion letting the team jump out and then and then we exert so much energy to try to come back. Yeah, we'll talk about that and we'll go to the old Dominion game. That was one of my notes for that game. My my final thought on the first half of the Coastal game was we only had two points from the bench and Kobe Julian hit a mid-range on an inbounds play. Two points from your bench in any half is not nearly enough. Uh, don't know why uh, we can't get more. You know, at times the court will make a shot or um, – Maybe um, we'll get an inside basket from um, our backup center, Isaiah, there. But, you know, uh, got to do better than that in the second half. More points going forward. So that's a, been a concern of mine all year long. But, you know, we're down three. Let's go to the second half and see what we can do. Is my thought at halftime. Yep. The uh, – I'm sorry. I, I lost my train of thought there. Go ahead. Okay, we can move to the second half. Yep. Anyway, we finished the first half on an encouraging run. In the second half, I don't know if you noticed, but they did change the last the lineup, and Kobe Julian did start the second half. And I thought that was a good move from a defensive standpoint. We got the lead after four minutes. We had a little bit more pressure. In this game, for whatever reason, Kentrell Garnett was having a tough time guarding his man. And uh, so, but you know, Kobe's not in shape yet. Four minutes, he goes out. But the game's pretty solid. But, you know, we played pretty well for the next 15 minutes. Nothing spectacular, just good, steady play. Uh, we, and we build a lead, get it? A big factor in that game, however, I thought was maybe what, seven, eight minutes going and a half when Michael Thomas gets hurt in a really bad collision. I'm not sure what his injury was, but I know uh, he ran into He and another player ran into a ball going out uh, when it was loose. I thought Mike might have had a concussion. Well, I don't know what it is. But I could tell he wasn't going to come back in the game, and he didn't. And I think that was a factor later in the game because I knew the team as folks were going to have to play a lot of minutes, and maybe it was late in the game. Did yeah. you think Michael Thomas' loss would maybe more of a, a factor than maybe the average fan realizes? I think sometimes it is. We don't really, even though we're not necessarily uh, 
there, there are times that we need the, to need to spare the guys some some time just to to save them from themselves from being tired and not moving with their feet moving their feet and, and they start reaching and make stupid fouls and I, I think we tend to do that sometimes when we're tired as most players do yeah but you know we've got a 10-point lead with about five minutes to go okay why did we lose the lead a lot of, okay the factors were both offense and defense you know uh, we didn't get one basket. Uh, we scored from the free throw line, I guess, in the last three or four minutes. But I don't think we got a basket in the last three or four minutes. And why was that? Well, a couple of times our shot selection was too early and poor. Uh, I know in practice, T. Lou Lewis there can make a three-pointer, but he took two of them in this game. He hadn't made a three-pointer in, in a real game all season long. Uh, didn't like that. Um, and, again, if you take a bad one, and the people expect it, it just puts you in a bad floor spacing back the other way. Uh, so it's not just the defense that hurt us. You know, we gave up scores on like 10 straight possessions. <clears throat> and going back to fundamentals of playing defense, our dribble penetration defense was very poor. And Kentrell uh, had a hard time with that. Physically, he was having a hard time matching up with his man. We talked about folks earlier not moving his feet. I uh, think he got tired and he had to play way too many minutes. That may have been a factor. But here's the, the key point I want to make on this. The dribble penetration was really just going to the right all the time. I know when I coach youth basketball, you, you always tell kids, cut off the right. But at the college level, you don't want to do that. You want to square up because they can always go left. But if they're beating you to the right every single time, cut off the left. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I thought when we were getting beat, maybe our big man needed to come out and help up front a little bit more. Maybe a little zone would have helped in there. I know our coaching staff doesn't really like zone because – they're for, they, they feel like you're just inviting the opponent to make a three-point shot. And uh, watch this. When we play zone through the year, as soon as we make one, we want to get it. As soon as our opponent makes a three, we want to get out of it. But we were giving up layups and the hand-ones or a kick out of the dribble penetration. So maybe that would have been a good move. Um, and the other thing, too, when we weren't making them go left and they were going right, if we didn't stop them, they get the free-throw line. This was one of the top free-throw shooting teams in the country. You know, they shot, I forget, 20-some-odd. And we shot much less, but the idea is, you know, they're going to make 80% about what they did. So uh, those were the issues, the poor shot selection, questionable threes at times, not stopping the general penetration, letting people go to their right and putting a good free throw shooting team on the line. And it results in um, something that's not going to be good. I I think the, a couple of things for me that I noticed were, uh, you know, we only had nine turnovers, which is awesome, to 17 assists. You know, 30, 30, uh, 30 second chance points, 40 points in the paint. You'd think with all those numbers, we'd be playing that we should have we should have won the game. But I, I think it's I think part of it is uh, fouls at the wrong time. And when I say fouls at the wrong time, I'm talking about those times where they're going up for the shot and have the chance at the end one. I think we give that up way too many times. We either got to make a hard foul or let the guy get the layup. Agree, hundred percent. So the coaches will tell you is, okay, make him earn it. If you're going to foul him, without being unsportsmanlike, of course, ensure yeah. he doesn't make the shot drop in. <laughs> a couple of times, though, there a couple of the uh, free throw. One time, one of the end ones, they had an end break. I think I forget. Think they call it on Cantrell. The guy didn't touch him. Our officials at times will anticipate a foul, the way the flow of the action is going, and it's not. It's, 
and, and you miss it. It's not like the NBA where you can challenge. In the NBA, you can challenge a foul once and again. And, and you talked about um, all those great stats. How well, we did. You think we'd won. But, you know, we were five for 22 from three. We'll talk about th- that a little bit more later. Yep. But, you know, college basketball today, there's this one stat. And that's why I'm not necessarily assuming that we can't beat Southern Miss next week, even though they're doing very well, is the team that shoots the highest percentage, not necessarily the most. You can look all the stats. The team that shoots the highest percentage from three-point line is going to win 75% of the time. Yep. That's the way college basketball is today. It's almost like the NBA. It's make it or miss it. So, you know. And, and the sad part is, you know, a, a, a few more stats here. I hate to go stats heavy, but, you know, when Jordan Brown goes nine for 10 from the line, I mean, and we're, we're shooting 11 for 12 from the line for the game as a team, th- those are all good numbers, but you're right. Absolutely right. This game is designed these days for a three-point shooting. You've got to be able to hit that, and you've got to be able to stop it on the defensive side. So, yep. Very, very true. All the stats were our way. Uh, you look at the rest of the, the stats, it's okay. We did better in, this, in the second half. Kobe got a few baskets, and we ended up with 10 points in the second. 10 points total from the bench instead of eight, instead of two. But our the bench, one of the guys from Coastal Carolina, ended up with 28 points. A guy named Brown, and he was hitting from all over. And he went nine for nine from the line. So we were putting him on the line too often. Yep. Okay. A couple of other points I want to make about this game, you know, um, regarding how with the lineups. People may not have noticed, but in the last few minutes, they were subbing Joe Charles in for Terrence Lewis offense and defense. Talked before about how good Joe is on defense, but he's pretty good at doubling the ball with the big man. What Costa was doing here was they were actually getting him in switches where he ended up having the guard, a guard driving to the basket and maybe, maybe not quite as quick in those situations. So, and, and when you do that, he's not as good a rebounder as Lewis. So I wonder maybe if after that didn't work a couple of times, if they should have just stayed with Lewis. Yeah, you were versus just the offense. I understand what he was doing, but it wasn't working. And then so it's not working, and you're giving up your 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 uh, strong point of your best offensive rebounder in there. And you know, and you're not gonna be. It's not like football where you switching it in and out every time. There's a little transition. So you end up if you have Joe going back on offense, then you don't have as good an offensive rebounder, and, and yeah. you're giving up the defensive rebounder. So I understand why coach did it, but I, maybe I would have backed off of it when it wasn't being successful. I don't know exactly. if you noticed that about this offensive defense switches. A lot of coaches do that these days. Yeah, I didn't notice it as much, honestly, in that game. I wasn't looking for it, I guess, is a better way to put it. Well, maybe the listeners uh, uh, will watch for something like that in future games if they're getting anything out of this podcast today. The other thing was um, Jalen Alcord made a three where he lost his shoe. And we talk about our problem in three-point shooting but he's a streak shooter. All the times when he makes one, he can, that'll get him going. And he's a better defensive player of our three guards than probably any of them. So in the last few minutes, I think I would have maybe had him in there in the game. Of course, it's always easy to second guess when things that didn't work out right. You know, if we would end up winning a game, I wouldn't even have mentioned this, but, you know, you always have to look out why things didn't work out the way you wanted him to. And that's the two things I saw is maybe Jalen should have been in there more on defense late in the game. He was going to do offense, defensive switches. And the big man offense of these switches wasn't working. We were giving up rebounding as a result. Uh, so maybe next time. <clears throat> yeah. And we talked about folks, you know, I do think he got tired and he was getting beat to the right a lot. When he's not physically overmatched, 
Michael Thomas is quicker than Kemas folks. On the, he's a better on-ball defender when the other guy just can't drive a ball to the basket. So I really think that was a, a factor in the game. Uh, and, of course, the other thing, too, that happened in this game was late in the, in the um, shot clock with a couple of minutes to go. We still up three. And a, Dave makes a three-pointer pretty late in the shot clock, a guy had in his face. And that's his only basket of the game. I talked about earlier, maybe we're leaving certain guys open. So some of the stuff in, in sports ends up being a little just a bit lucky. That's not a guy you would expect to make a three-pointer at that stage. He did. The chance we were able to win the game because that happened. And they also uh, were able to get some calls go their way. Remember, yeah. Coach Coach Marlin said, okay, uh, we take a shot. We think it goes out of bounds. We think it's our ball with 30-something seconds to go. And they go to the monitor and they give it back to the chance. Well, in his post-game comments, Coach Marlin said, well, in his whole timeout, he was planning to have the ball on offense. You know, again, it's not like the NBA where you can have somebody uh, watching it on the replay. But it seems to me that maybe we would have had a, uh, somebody looking into the idea, okay, what happens? Why is this taking so long? Yeah. Usually when it takes so long, maybe the call is going to be overturned. And when I watched it, I couldn't, I'm surprised they gave the ball back to Coastal Carolina because I, I could, couldn't tell really who the ball was off of. So I thought it was, you know, they got to just keep it to the cages because there's no definitive proof on the replay. Yep, yeah. I agree. Maybe, uh, and then we go back down court again, and then, of course, that's when Joe gets caught in one of those switches, and it was a questionable foul in my mind. Yeah. Uh, oh, looked like yeah, he, he got the ball clean. Maybe they say he rode him with the body a little bit, but um, usually that kind of situation, they'll let it go. And we still have the ball with five seconds left. Right at that point, my TV went out, so I, really, I know that Timo's folks got a shot blocked. I wondered – could we have taken it to the basket? You know, we were only down one. I, I thought he took he, he he could have went in a little bit closer. I thought I, I I didn't like the shot he took. I thought he he could have drove a little bit more, and I thought he I thought he could have taken that shot. I don't think he got all the way to the basket, but I think he could have moved in and taken a better shot. Yes. Yeah, and if you do that, maybe you have a chance for an offensive rebound. We were also out of timeouts. Yep. So earlier in the half. Couple of times the timeout was taken. Well, maybe, uh, maybe we ought to wait for the last second. <laughs> so, I know I'm doing a lot of second guessing here, but you know, when you don't, uh, things don't go your way. It's easy to second guess, and in the heat of the moment, you don't think about those things. You call a timeout a time you think you have to. Yep. But anyway, so very disappointing loss. You know, played what in a 40 minute game. We probably played 18 of it. Okay. Yeah. Didn't get to the line enough. Got them on the line too many times. Yes. But five, 22 from three is not going to beat many people, regardless of how else you, you talked about all the stats, how well we did. It doesn't matter if you shoot that poorly. There's always something there when, when you're doing something well, there's usually something there that you're not doing well, especially when you lose a game like that. So, yeah, uh, we've, we've hit on those and uh, we'll have to see if, um, how the lineups are staggered late in games. And if we get into another tight contest, maybe things were learned here today. And hey, but I'm no means an expert, but those are things I noticed that maybe I would have subbed a little bit different the way the game was going. Okay. Well, let's put that one behind us. Let's move on to the Old Dominion game and, and talk about that one there. Uh, uh, interesting matchup, I thought, for the Cajuns. I thought uh, uh, just I didn't see Old Dominion, didn't. Didn't anticipate, I guess is a better word, Old Dominion running away with the game so early on the way they did. 
Yeah. Well, when I saw that they had been beaten by Arkansas State on Thursday night, I went, uh oh, it's a home game for them. They're desperate. We're going to be desperate. But they're at home. They were eight and four coming in. I they probably didn't uh, prepare properly for Arkansas State, who has had some struggles in the pre-conference uh, season. Uh, they also shot the ball very poorly that game. So you figured they were going to shoot it better against us. So I I expected a tough game. I did not expect them to get out to such a big lead. But early in the game was obvious they were going to play very physical inside. Uh, they're uh, long with one of their starting forwards and fields came off the bench and, and they were really tough on the boards. Uh, they actually had more offensive rebounds than we did, I believe. They're both very athletic. Uh, they, they did a good job protecting the rim and garnering rebounds. Just as in the Coastal game, it was even worse in this game, shooting in the three-pointer. We went 0 for 7 before we made one. And again, that contributes to you getting behind because your floor balance is off defensively when you're taking some of those shots the ball amounts alone. And again, just as in the Coastal game, the Monarchs shot the ball better from three than their stats in the other games. I didn't think they was wide open as the uh, ones in the um, Coastal game. You know, in the Coastal game, some of those became because of our problems with dribble penetration. But, you know, who knows? Maybe it's just the, why that happened. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're shooting the ball poorly from three and they're making it. Again, we don't have a lot of turnovers. But we seem to have a lot of critical times. They all get bunched together and contribute to other teams' runs. I, I, that was one of the things I noticed. I think this team is not turning the ball over as much as they did last year. But at the same time, it seems to come in inopportunity, inopportune times that we make that critical mistake. Yeah, they come in bunches. We're in a game tonight, yeah. yeah. You may get 12, 13 for the game, and six of them come within five minutes. And with the close game, it's no longer a close game. So uh, one thing I also noticed is for the first time in conference play, Chancellor White got to play. Uh, he and he struggled, to be honest. He fouled the guy on a three-point shot, and it was a foul. Again, if you're going to foul and make him miss it or just let him have the shot, had a bad turnover. But I'm still not disappointed he got to play, you know, during the season here. You know, it was, it's not like preseason in the NFL. There are going to be times where he may have to play. And so maybe getting a little bit of a taste in a conference game had uh, is going to pay off down the road. And we just thought we didn't have a lot of turnovers, but the bad shots, the few of the end got us a big, got us down by what, 18 or something like that? I think, I think that was, yes. Okay. I mean, maybe it was 14, but it's 14 at half. And then Coastal starts on an eight to nothing run to start the second half with the same thing. We don't, our turnovers up 90% of this game occurred in the last five minutes of the first half and the first five minutes of the second half. And next thing you know, we're down by 22. And uh, again, we make a couple of bad shots. So what do we need to do to get back in the game? You know, we're not going to give up. I know these guys are going to fight. So a good move by the coaches that we started to press and trap. Up the pace a little bit. Maybe Old Dominion doesn't want to play as fast. And we got the lead down to 10 with about six minutes gone in the half. And, you know, that's not going to maintain it. But, you know, we played pretty well. Got a couple of threes to fall. Greg did a good job. You know, I think Joe Charles got one, one of his, his only baskets of the game. And, and when you make some shots like that, that spurs you to even have more energy on defense. So you started with some energy on defense to get a little faster, make a couple of shots, and then you're playing even harder. But then can you maintain? I was looking in the game about how it half. Can we maintain this space? And, of course, Costa comes back and they uh, 
get the lead back to close to double figures most of the game. Uh, but we do almost, we get it down to two points with a minute to go. And unlike the Coastal game where an unknown guy makes a shot to win it, Grayson is one of the best shooters on uh, Old Dominion's team. He knocks down a three. And again, that was one second to go on the shot clock. He was well covered. He just heaved it up and it went in. Earlier in the first half, one of their threes was actually also late in the shot clock was banked. Yeah. Banked in. So sports has a lot more luck in it than people realize, <laughs> especially a close game like that. Most of them come down to just a few critical plays. So yeah. uh, at that point, we're down five and we can't come back. You know, next time, my, my answer is next time, don't get down by 22. If you're down by 15, maybe you pull it out. So every minute counts. From first, I've heard a old coach tell me one, the last shot of the game is not the one I beat you. It's the first shot of the game. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. Now, we shot the ball overall better on three-pointers in this game than the other one, but it was still hard to overcome the very poor start. And um, here's the thing I noticed, too. Colby Julian still has a lot of rust on his offense. He went two for ten in this game. I think he actually played better in a few minutes than against Coastal. Uh, he was one for six for three. I think the shot selection was questionable at times. Uh, his feet are not necessarily set on him. And he, maybe he's just trying to do too much coming in there because he hadn't played all year long and played in, in 10 months, he needs to let the game come to him a little bit more and not force things as much. I agree with you, Aaron. I think it's also a, a thing of, because even though he has been practicing, he hasn't been practicing. He he hasn't been in full contact. And I think getting in a rhythm with some of these guys too and knowing them will help as, as the season progresses. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe the um, rust he's displaying now will pay off down the road. you got to play him at some point. Yep. Uh, Ideally, to me, I would have I would have preferred that he got play. He wasn't ready yet, though. The doctors, I don't think, cleared him to right at the time of the McNeese game. Ideally, he would have got to play, gotten the rust off before conference play started, but that was not to be. Uh, a couple of positives, though. Timus folks, his shooting wasn't great in this game, but he played 38 minutes because we didn't have Michael Thomas. Kentrell Garnett played backup point guard for a couple of minutes, and and Timus at 12 assists. 38 minutes is a lot for any player. And your point guard is not like one of the guys who's your off guard waiting, standing in the corner to get the shot. Yeah. He's expending energy almost every second he's on the court. So let's give credit to that young man for having a young – and he had 12 assists in the game, so he was passing the ball well. So I'm sure you'll agree with me and the team has deserved credit in that game for uh, leading the comeback. Absolutely. We haven't seen a, a point guard play that many minutes in a long time for the Cajuns. Probably going back to Alfred Payton. Maybe maybe Marcus Stroman, but that was a diff- much different team then. So. Yeah, yeah. So uh, now, now our defense in the last five minutes of the game is what we saw earlier in the season, the last 15 minutes of the game, rather. You know, uh, and then Coach Marlin talked about that. He said, you know, we haven't been a good defensive team in the last few games, so it's good to see us come back, and maybe they they learn something. Maybe we got to play a little faster pace. Maybe we need to press and trap a little earlier. Of course, you got to be potential with that, be careful with that, whereas the team's getting – get a hold on to it but yeah whatever the the effort on defense was better in the second half and that needs to continue for us to have success going forward were you surprised that we played as much zone in that game i think we played zone pretty good bit in the in the second not a when i say a pretty good bit i mean more than normal i think what happened was we we played zone when we couldn't turn them over or get um you know or get the trap we set up we dropped back into that and they didn't make as many threes as they did in the first half. No. So, 
I think because we played, we got them to speed up, and then we'd back up into the zone. So I think that was a function of maybe, okay, we're going to put a lot of pressure on the ball up the front court, getting them set up in their defense, and then we drop back if we can't get it. But on the other hand, when you play zone, you give them more defensive rebounds because yes, you're not yes. blocking out a man. So And we gave up more than expected. Okay, so you can put that on the bed, but I do have a couple of observations for the weekend overall, if you don't mind. Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. All right. We shot 46. Our opponents in the two games shot 46 free throws. We shot 22. Is that just road versus home? Uh, is it the officials maybe getting caught up in the home crowds? I would prefer not to blame the officials. And let's say, what can we do to make those numbers more palatable going forward? And um, also, in in both games, we made more field goals than our opponent. And uh, the Coastal game, I mean, the Old Dominion game, the three-pointers were about the same. Uh, in the uh, Old Dominion game, uh, in the Coastal game, old, they had more three points than we did. Old Dominion, they were about the same. So we need to do a better job moving our feet, uh, like we to guard, like especially in the last few minutes compared to what we need to do against uh, Coastal. We also need to be better on the um, on the board against Old Dominion. And I thought maybe earlier in the year, where our opponents were missing some three pointers, we were making some. Maybe I've hit some of our deficiencies. Because there's a couple of games, I know even in the um, Sanford game and even the, the home game against uh, uh, Louisiana Christian, we gave up too much dribble penetration. In the McNeese game, we gave up too many offensive rebounds to our opponents. So in both of those, so shooting can overcome a lot of that. You know, Our opponents were missing some threes earlier, which, which we were maybe emphasizing on. But if you do better on dribble penetration, you can stop that. And we were... Uh, I don't know why Lewis didn't have a really good game, but he was our guy getting uh, our rebounds in earlier games. And he, and he did okay against Coastal, but not as up to his usual stand. And he, and he didn't do much in, in this uh, most recent game. So if we're not going to shoot the ball as well and our opponents are going to maybe make more than they did earlier, we got to go back and stop the general penetration and grab some rebounds. We also need to get more scoring from our bench. And perhaps Kobe can uh, provide that when the rust wears off. Don't you agree? Yes. Definitely. Can we yeah. go back to a quick point though that you made about the free throw shooting? And I ha- I hadn't noticed it in the in the coastal game b- that there was such a a difference. Uh, but in the old Dominion game, you know the the difference there was huge. I don't know how much of that was in the last two minutes or the last minute where we were trying to foul them and everything that may have bumped those numbers up a little bit. I agree with you. I don't think we got to the line nearly in as much as uh, the two teams. And it could be just because they were playing at home, but it always seems like we never get those same refs when we're playing at home and get that, you know, that, that, that opportunity to shoot. I guess. Or if we do, we don't get the same calls. Well, okay. What are you going to do about it? Well, you mentioned earlier, uh, in, in, I think a previous broadcast that Jordan has maybe recognizing the double a little too late. So if he'd pass it out a little quicker and the guys could drive in and maybe team us uh, or, um, Lewis could get some and ones themselves at the basket. But we just got to go up stronger. The more aggressive team at times gets the most calls. When, when we get the ball into the basket, we just got to go up stronger and, and make the ref call a foul. Yeah. We're not going up with enough uh, intensity, I guess. Yeah. In the basket. So, um, so that was it for the weekend. Um, we can move on now to the forecast for the uh, next two games. Yep, Southern Miss coming in Thursday night. What do the Cajuns need to do there? 
Well, Southern Miss, let's, let's look at their record overall. They're 13-2. and two. Uh, They're 2-0 and oh in conference. They played two home games here. Uh, one of their non-conference wins was at uh, Vanderbilt. That's probably their most significant win, you know, beating an SEC team on the road. They did lose to Northwestern State at home in Natchitoches. Northwestern has one of the top teams in Louisiana this year, but LSU and Tulane also seem to be doing pretty well. Um, so that's probably – and that was the last second shot where the Demons played pretty well. They're averaging 78 a game, and they're giving up only 60. If you look at their team stats, they have – have favorable numbers and almost compared their opponents all across the board. Uh, shooting percentage, defensive percentage, uh, three-point percentage. Their, their three-point shooting isn't great, but it's still better than their opponents. Their turnovers are less than their opponents. They're assisted more than their opponents, so they're solid across the board. Uh, well, one of the things we're going to have to do is, is stop this guy named Austin Crowley. Austin Crowley was a starter at Ole Miss last year, and when he a part-time starter, but he, when he didn't, he was their top guy off the bench. He was scoring the mid-teams. In their last game against um, Appalachian State, he scored 30 points. And so, uh, and he's six fours, and he made four out of seven three pointers. So, who is going to guard him? It's going to be a key, I think. Austin Crowley, he's um, he's number one. Uh, so that's a key in how we're going to play defense against him. And uh, their uh, their best inside player played last year for them, DeAndre Pickton. He's number ten. Um, he's pretty solid, you know, was scoring and rebounding. He was their best player last year. Crowley is back then. Last year, they only won seven games. They've already won 13. So, uh, tra- the transfer of the guy we got from Ole Miss is a, um, was a key to reason they're doing so much better. Looking at their bench numbers, I don't really see, um, anything that scares me. By the way, they did play two close games over the weekend. They beat Troy, uh, uh, I think it was four point game. Yeah, it was, and they beat App seventy six to seventy. In the App game, both of them they were really close at halftime. And I was looking on their website, and what they're happy about, you know, they're getting in both games over the holidays. They got somewhere between three thousand thirty five hundred. The Reed Green Coliseum seats about seven or eight, and I'm sure they've got them. So they said they really were happy with how um, intense their crowd was, how helped they, much support they were, they gave them. So um, I often wonder if we could ha- wish we had that kind of advantage, you know, where a, a smaller arena where our three to four, three thousand people make a lot more noise. Um, you have any thoughts on Southern Miss? No, I just I, I know they're. Uh, I, I was a little shocked to see that them get out to the start that they they did, but but the the points you brought up are exactly why. Uh, you know, it just takes that one transfer, and he seems to be leading the easily leading the team and scoring and everything. So yeah, I think he's at 18 a game and he was 16 or so at Ole Miss last year. So if you're averaging 16 in the SEC and Ole Miss may have struggled <clears throat> and you were starting there, that's a significant transfer for the I, Golden Eagles. I don't know if you noticed, but this is one of the things that we talked about that might help us in scheduling, but they played at, they played Lamar at home and then turned around three days later and went to Lamar and played them again. Yeah, I wish we could do that. Lamar has refused to play us home at home. Yeah. Why did play Southern Miss? Maybe they figured they're just too close to Louisiana. Well, it's like I, a, I think part of it, too, Southern Miss wasn't very good last year, so they thought they might be able to, to get one in on them. But Southern Miss dominated both of those games. So, Yes, Lamar is really struggling. They have one of their weaker team in many years. 
I don't know how many games they won. It can't be many. Uh, several of their games have been blowouts, not only against the Eagles. <coughs> See, I don't know why they uh, won't schedule us, but, they, but I think you're right. You know, they only won seven games last year. They probably figured, oh, we'll go home and home. You know, we might have a chance to win one. Yep. So, all yeah. right. Just, just It was just something I found interesting there. Yeah, that's Thursday night. You know, we're on the Thursday, Saturday schedule here all the way until the end of the season, I believe. Uh, when we play a Wednesday, Friday for TV purposes. Uh, 7 o'clock, regular ESPN. Notice our women are playing at Southern Miss on, on uh, Thursday night, too, I noticed. I, I did notice that. I, I, I that just It just happened to be one of those scheduling freaks because I know they don't always match up like that. It used to be more easy, easily to do when they were travel partners, but now with the 14 teams in the league, it's more difficult. Yeah. yeah so it's going to be quite a challenge. But it's hard for me to tell how we're going to shoot the ball because we really only played two home games. I throw out the three non-D ones. Yeah. But on the road, every time we played a really good opponent, it goes against Drake, Texas, uh, not necessarily great opponents, but decent opponents, comparable to us in two conference games, we always start shooting the ball very poorly in the first half from three. Always. Like one for six, 0 for seven, 0 for eight, and you can't keep coming from behind for that. So, so that's got to improve. Maybe at home it will. We'll see. Uh, we can move on to uh, yep. Thursday. Saturday's game is going to be against uh, playing Georgia State, right? Yes. And Georgia State, uh, I think, is eight and six. They're one and one in the conference. They lost to James Madison and they beat USA. Let's take a break here, if you don't mind, for a second. Yeah, let's. We'll take a quick break. You're listening. We're talking with Craig Malosa and Mike Bear. We'll be right back after this quick timeout. Welcome back into We're Talking. We're talking basketball, raging Cajun basketball with Mike Bear. Mike, the uh, Georgia State Panthers are coming in Saturday night. Uh, uh, an enigma to me there. They're, they're kind of a strange team. They In the past, they've always been very good. And I'm not going to say they're not very good, but they 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 seem to have been an up and down this team. Up and down uh, is right. They're eight and six, one and one in the conference. They were both home games. They played James Madison close for a while and – uh, lost 63 to 47. So that not 47 caught me. Okay. Didn't really score a lot in that game, but James Madison may be the best team in the league. If, if they're not Southern Miss is up there looking at Southern Miss's stats. So I already talked about what a challenge that will be Thursday night. Uh, I think uh, Georgia state's going to go to ULM on Thursday. Is that correct? I think I they're going to swing. Don't uh, let me see. Yes. They are at ULM on Thursday. All right. So they'll have the short trip down the highway to get into Lafayette for Saturday's game. Again, that's 7 o'clock. Uh, whenever we play the Panthers, because uh, going back to Ron Hunter, who's at Tulane now, Tulane had a nice win over in Memphis. A great weekend for Tulane sports. Uh, their coach, I forget his name, uh, they had last year, has also moved on. They, they have a first-year coach. Last year, you know, they uh, defeated the Cajuns in the conference championship game. And going to the back of the Ron Hunter days has always been a pretty heated rivalry between the Cajuns and the Panthers. Uh, so that'll probably continue. I expect another close game, but in their most recent game, they did defeat Alabama 68 to 58. Um, Jaguars had a 14 point lead in the first half. 
the uh, Panthers cut it to one at halftime, and it was anybody's game in the winter right now. And then, uh, it was close all the way to the last five minutes, and then the Panthers sort of separated with some free throw shooting. Um, in fact, South Alabama only shot eight free throws in that game. So, so that'll be so we have to shoot more than eight free throws to beat anybody. We've got to get inside some on them. Their two best players is also number one, the uh, one Odom. He had six, 18 points against uh, South Alabama, and most of them are all inside. Uh, their, their best inside players, they got named number 10, named Hudson. He had 11 rebounds and 18 points against um, South Alabama. Those are the two main guys. Look at the rest of their stats. Nothing really else stands out for you. I know that they're only shooting 28% on three for the year. They were 33% against South Alabama. I don't know if that has anything to do with home and away. But we mentioned earlier, you know, two previous opponents we had over the past weekend on the road trip hadn't shot the ball that well on threes. And, of course, against us, they do. Uh, very disappointing considering, you know, that's supposed to be our emphasis. So that'll be interesting to see what happens on um I find it it interesting. Odom Odom played uh, 39 minutes against uh, South Alabama. Uh, It did not have a personal foul. Uh, He's he's a big guard, or he's a guard, but 6'2". You know, he he had the 18 points, but, you know, they they only had seven assists in that game to eight turnovers. So that that seems very low to me with seven assists on – you know, on 68 points, you know. Well, yeah, and uh, Odom had uh, eight baskets and only attempted one three-pointer. So that, in the, that indicates he's gone to the basket. The dribble penetration, he may be a different type of guard. He may be looking to score versus drive and dish. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I find it interesting on the weekend, we're going to play Southern Miss on Thursday, a team we've won in our conference for years. It was a great um, – Rival back in the independent days. Used to play him every year back in the Bobby Pascal days. And so it's, we've all been wanting to play him for years. And now we're going to, uh, that's on, on Saturday, we play a team that we've played for the last five or six years, I guess 13, 14 now in the eight years. Our most um, hated rival, our best rival in, in the conference in recent years has been Georgia, Georgia State. So that's sort of a, a difference, you know, team we wanted to play for a while, haven't had a chance, team we've been playing for a while. Should be two good games. Uh, but what do we need to do to, in both cases? Well, it comes back that we just got to shoot the ball better. Um, and people may, may think, well, just, just shoot it better. There's more to it than that. There's things to go, and I don't think we're necessarily our, – our fundamentals, especially on the road, and our techniques have been a little off on these uh, jump shots and think we need to improve on that. you agree with that? Absolutely. I think we're not squaring up properly. I think we're – we're rushing our shots sometimes too much. Uh, there's a few things there. And uh, back to the point we made earlier, I think uh, I, I want to see Jordan Brown recognize the double and the triple team earlier and kick that ball out. Yeah. Well, you correct about the things, but look, there's about five different things you need to do to be efficient at shooting the ball. First thing is square your feet to the basket. Have your feet together, but have them squared to the basket. Old-time Cajun fans may remember Byron Starks. He was outstanding at that. He almost never had – so. the second thing is your elbow has to be parallel to your nose. It can't be sticking out. And your third thing is your fingers have to be in the middle of the ball, especially your index finger. And then when you release the ball, you want to release the ball going up on your jump, not going down. Ideally, the ball leaves your hands right before you reach the apex. 
And then when you follow through, how do people follow through? Well, old coach told me once, hand in the cookie jar. You take that right hand and you imagine there's a cylinder about uh, of cookies about an inch above the rim and you're putting your hand in there, grabbing a cookie and bringing it back out. That's great follow through is the hand in the cookie jar. And the last thing is you can't be back in, um, falling backwards. You got, when you go up, you got to go straight and maybe slide it through the basket. You can't go up and then fall backwards. Now, of course, all that has to be done in a nanosecond. You know, it's just like, it's not like, uh, just like golf or bowling or any their techniques, but you can't think about all that because if you do, you're thinking about all that, you're going to screw something up. So in practice, well, maybe what you want to do is the coaches say, okay, Kobe, your shot is off because your feet are not square. And his foot, he has his right foot in front of his left foot or vice versa almost on every three-pointer. And that may be come from Russ, but he's got a bad habit of doing that. That needs to be corrected. Jalen Dalcourt usually shoots the ball long on his threes. I think his doesn't have quite enough work or his hand in the cookie jar technique is a little off. So there are things to do to improve that. And you got to improve that in practice. In the games, you can't think about it. It's just too fast. It's too fluid. It has to be uh, muscle memory. But maybe you can get in the lab and practice and work on just that and get uh, your fundamentals back right. Absolutely. I think the uh, thing Jalen needs to lose his shoe a few more times. And, and <laughs> yeah. His mom actually commented on that on, on Twitter. Do you, think, the same thing. <laughs> do, you, do you think though that that's something that maybe you're because you lost your shoe it's more of a concentrating on getting your feet set and everything else type Could of be. deal yeah, yeah yeah it's like when bowling my, my bowling coach says you make a foul line adjustment you know your techniques off so you correct it at the last second yeah so yeah but <clears throat> But again, I want to emphasize, you know, doing all that sounds great. You know, those five, six things we just talked about, but you don't have time to think about all that when the game. And you talked about some guys rushing their shots. I also find other guys at times may get their wide open and thinking about it too much because maybe they've missed their last one and they're a little reluctant to let it go. So, so there's a lot of things that go into it. Yeah, there's the catch. Some guys are better to catch and shoot. Yep. Some guys maybe can get a, a rhythm with one dribble. It, and and there's the other thing you can do as well, too, is, okay, uh, on the three here, I got a guy flying at me. I'm going to step inside of him and make a 10-footer. Uh, and I, I don't think we do that enough uh, is uh, fake, the, fake the jump shot and, and move, let them come by you. And then because they really do fly at our guys, especially going at Joe Charles, uh, for instance, in, uh, in uh, Kentrell Garnett. Uh, yeah, both those guys shoot the ball, uh, little um, almost set shots. Yeah, you know, very little jump, very little spring. So that may be why. And when we do drive, you know, we, oftentimes we're trying to drive it into the heart of the defense, and we get together shot block to call for a charge. Yeah, so maybe a little ten footer now and then would help. Yep. So, but um, we, we talked about how tough sudden miss is going to be. That's our next game. But if we shoot the ball like we did against Louisiana Tech and Sanford at home, there's no reason we can't beat them. Exactly. I think both both games are very winnable and uh, have an opportunity to showcase something uh, for this team to, to get it back on the right track. Yeah. Well, next time we talk, we can uh, hopefully have better results to talk about. Maybe playing at home will help. Maybe we won't get outshot by tw uh, 20 for the two uh, games in the free throws. But uh, – we can talk about that next week, see how it was, and we'll preview the next weekend. I'll close with this. Uh, 
eight out of ten games on the road in the middle of the season here. Six out of eight on, on the road in, in conference. Um, tough for any team to overcome that. Now, I wonder if if this past weekend, uh, just too many road games, especially when we lost our backup point guard, was a factor. And I don't know the status of Michael Thomas, by the way. Hopefully he can play Thursday night. Yes. No, I agree with you. I think uh, the, the one good thing about it is later on in the season, uh, we'll have those – we'll have the more games at home. So yeah, it's, yeah. uh, yeah. Hopefully think, the losses didn't discourage them, lost their confidence. That can happen until you lose a couple of games on the road, you come back at home and the things that hurt you, you start thinking about too much. So, um, yeah, yeah. the game that, w- that really hurt us was the one Thursday. You go on the road, you hope you win one. You got a 10 point lead with five minutes to go. The old dominion loss would have made sense to me because of the second over two, but, uh, we almost gave that one away. We need, we need to steal one back somewhere back down the rest of the season to get back on track. And I think they can. I think this team is focused. I think they're they're uh, they're playing for each other. I think they do well. So we'll see what can happen. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mike. I, I have no doubt that the team is uh, still together, and and we'll fight hard for each other. Effort and um, playing together is is no not a question. Execution is a question at times. Exactly. Any last words before we sign off for the day? Yeah, no, just hope to see some people out there Thursday night. Absolutely. Uh, this team is a fun team to watch. They can be frustrating at times, but like we spoke about, they play for each other. They're, they're a hard, hard bunch. Uh, so look forward to see some people out at the Cajun Dome on Thursday and Saturday. So Okay. Looking forward to when we do this again, Craig. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate everything as always. You're welcome. You've been listening to We're Talking. Today we've been talking to basketball with Mike Abert, Raging Cajun basketball to be specific. And we'll be back in next week, hopefully, with a couple wins. Have a good evening. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.